Blog Talk Radio. the Frontier Beyond Fear live broadcast and podcast. I'm Susan Larison Dance, and today is March 11th, 2023, and it's Saturday here. As usual, this show broadcasts live on Blog Talk Radio most Saturdays um, at 1 p.m. Pacific and 4 p.m. Eastern Time and also various syndication platforms for those of you who are listening in the future. And I welcome you all here wherever or whenever you are listening. Today, I am going to talk about a topic that is rather near and dear to my heart. And I think it is, oh, it's an example of so many things that actually have a larger um, more meaningful spiritual significance. And what I'm going to talk about is here in the United States, um, tonight we change the clocks to daylight savings time. Or actually, we change, yes, um, <laughs> for a minute there, um, just a second. Okay. I was just checking. Sometimes I get, um, you know, what's standard, what's daylight savings time confused in my head because um, I think to myself, you know, which do we change to and when? And this, and you know, what's so interesting about this topic is we've all for years, no doubt, those of us who've been on the planet, no matter how long we've been here, we have experienced this change in the time zones, right? And are the time um, from daylight savings time to standard and vice versa. And see here, I'm getting getting a little frazzled live on the air here, making sure I've got everything straight. Yes, of course. It is daylight savings time that is starting, and standard time is ending. And that, I think, I have been confused about all of my life as to how to label it, except to say that we change the clocks. We don't really know why, most of us. Um, We originally went to daylight saving time, and normally we say savings, and it's actually saving. None of that matters. Even what we label it doesn't matter, which is really interesting because clearly all of my life, I'm sure we've all looked up, you know, when we could look things up, 
because in the old days you couldn't look anything up because there was nowhere to look unless you had an encyclopedia or you went to the library. Um, what begins when? Why? Isn't this disruptive? Well, that's the normal way of thinking about it, isn't it? But let me tell you, there is a proposal to make daylight saving time permanent in the United States. And it has a real chance of passing now because it passed the Senate and now the House is considering it. And I think that it is very important for us to not look for short-term gratification because that's what this is really about versus long-term impacts to changing the way that we're doing this. Because once you realize that there are unintended consequences to making daylight saving time permanent, which is what I'm going to talk about today, you will no longer be in favor of doing so. It may depend on where you live in the world and in the country, because if you're um, not, you know, if you're in one of the southern regions of the U.S., for example, it may feel like it's not as big of an impact. But the fact of the matter is it's a huge impact to those states which are very cold and very dark in the morning. And in fact, this has been tried in the past, and I was a part of the experiment as a child. I can't honestly say I remember what happened, but I can guarantee that it was extremely disruptive to me as a child when daylight savings time was, and we'll just say savings because Everybody says it that way, even though technically it's saving. The labels here don't matter. It's how we align with the sun. That's what matters. And that is what I'm calling natural daylight time. And this is going to go much deeper than just what's immediately before us. But let's first talk about what's practical. I have no doubt having lived a life where I have experienced the changes in the clock, amazingly enough, even when live on the air, I can't even label the darn time right, because I bet none of us remembers. When is it standard? When is it, you know, what is daylight? So we just know that we have to change the clocks. We, it, it does get confusing. But what is it actually doing? Every single one of you who... It woke up this morning, knows, knows what it does. We change the clocks, no matter what the original motivation, which I know I'm not even going to get into. I don't even know what the original motivation was. Because we change the clocks, our waking times are aligned more with the sun. This is more noticeable when you're farther north. And as I said in the program, of course, if you're really far north, like in Alaska, um, you're, you're really messed up in terms of being aligned with the sun anyway. So we're not going to talk, even though I acknowledge those of you who 
um, are really modern-day pioneers and live in these more remote areas of the world, and I've actually known people who have lived up there, um, and they have enjoyed it. That's a different topic altogether. When I woke up, let's talk about me as a child and how this impacted me as a child. And in a moment, we're going to talk about how it would have impacted an older person. And I'm sure it did impact older people and would, or those who have disabilities. When I was a child, in January 1974, I would have been impacted by a decision that was made by Congress that they did it to save energy during the energy crisis. And I'm also going to refer to an article on this, um, a couple of articles if you look. But let's talk about me. I used to walk to school at that time. A little bit later, if it had been the next year, I would have taken the bus to school, which would have been even more complicated because, of, in fact, two years later, it would have been even more complicated because I had to walk to a particular place uphill to take the bus. When I went to school in January of 1974, I was accustomed to walking to school almost every day, unless it was very snowy. I can't tell you how I managed not to slip on the ice because that topic's going to come up as well as to how icy it is in the morning before things can melt, and especially in the dark. But however I got to school, maybe my parents drove me for a while it was pitch dark because the sun didn't even rise until close to 8.20 a.m. And that's actually a very small example because here's what would happen. Say we kept daylight savings time um, in effect this winter. The sun would not rise in Seattle, Washington until 8.55 a.m. The sun would now, by contrast, and this really isn't that great either, in Miami, it would rise at, let's see, I'm just making sure they're not on daylight. Some states have chosen to change this already. So yes, in Miami, it would rise at 8.03 a.m. And this is on the summer solstice this year. Um, this, or December 21st, 2023. The solstice might be the 20th. Sometimes it's in between the 20th and the 21st. But let's just say the sun will rise in Miami at 8.03 a.m. Well, that's not as bad. Let's see. Um, in Boston, the sun will rise at um, 8.10 a.m. So why do we care about us? our health, about our wellness. Why do we care about when we get up and when the sun rises? And why is it really difficult for us if we get up and there's it's pitch black and we're not used to that at all? And it would force more people to get up. Not only, I mean, already people get up when it's dark in the winter, but it would be well into the night. It will feel like the absolute middle of the night. Um, why does that matter? Here's an article or something I looked up. I asked 
health detriments to waking when it's dark. Is it healthy to wake up in the dark? According to a study published in Brain and Cognition in 2016, the more cortisol you get when you wake up, the better your brain functions over the rest of the day. When you wake up in darkness, um, this response is lower and your brain function may suffer accordingly. So that is day after day after day that people will be waking up in utter darkness in the winter. Let's talk about the elderly. I know firsthand, having been a caregiver, that many elderly have appointments in the morning. It's much more difficult for them to go later in the day. They have more They need to be home later in the day. They will not be able to safely get out early in the morning. Many of them cannot, if they're still driving, they are unable to drive in darkness. They have trouble with vision in the dark, and it will be much icier. Those of us who live in places or have lived in places where the ice lingers in the morning, we often, there's a pattern where people wait until a certain time of day, if they can, where it starts to melt. You know, the sun hits the cars or whatever, and it starts to melt the, the ice on the cars and the ice in the parking lot. Sure, there are days where it's icy all day, but this is a very dangerous combination for the elderly, for children, for the disabled who are in wheelchairs or trying to navigate in the darkness and on ice. This is something that is not being thought through, even though there are experts who will tell you during the change, we are disrupted. Uh, yes, tomorrow and the next days, that's going to be, that's a time. There have been studies, you know, where there are more accidents during this time when our bodies are making the adjustment. But where is the comparison to the long-term effects that when you are plunged into darkness in the morning in winter, day after day after day in the morning, how does that affect you in terms of depression? How does that affect you in terms of safety? How does that affect you just for practical matters? And where is this coming from anyway? Well, turns out there have been special interest business groups that have been trying to promote this for years. They are people like in the golf industry in the South. Um, they tour the tourism industry mostly in the South. They want things to be open later. They want their golf course to be open later. So they have been promoting permanent daylight savings time, and this has been true for a long time. Um, they were, in an article I surfaced on this, um, farmers tradition, you know, people have said it's farmers who want permanent daylight savings time. That's actually not true because they don't actually like that darkness in the morning. Um, that, that negatively impacts them when they would be going about different activities. So um, really, the, the ones, and if you notice, like out of Florida, the person who was really pushing this forward was someone in Florida, a congressperson in Florida. In fact, I think it's a senator in Florida. Well, because... The business interests in Florida would be positively impacted because daylight would go farther on during the day 
in a time when it's winter and people are traveling down there. So, of course, they would be lobbying for it. But in the north, it is a much different story. And even in the central U.S., it is a much different story. And why did we reject this the last time that it happened? Here's a story. This was from the Washington Post in the 70s, and actually it was resurrected um, in a different um, place, and I'll just paraphrase it here. And it basically said, the title of the story is, The U.S. Tried Permanent Daylight Savings Time in the 70s, and People Hated It. And there's also an NPR article you can find. Here's another one. The U.S. Tried Permanent Daylight Saving Time in the 1970s, then quickly rejected it. Why? Well, the Washington, D.C. article is really interesting. It shows a picture of children in utter darkness getting off the bus. And it talks about um, the sun rose at 8.27 a.m. on January 7, 1974. And so, and it talks about, I'm going to paraphrase since this is a story, that the children had left in darkness that morning. So did I, where I was. This impacted me. This had a real-life impact on all the children. And here's what it said, um, that people had predicted that this change would benefit Americans. This had been predicted. And actually, back then, they even predicted, according to this story, that accidents in the morning darkness may become more common, but that the evening commute would be better. And I've also heard people say, well, there would be less crime at night because it would be light. But And so this became quite popular. And so Congress voted. It was December 14, 1973. They put um, the United States on permanent daylight savings time, and they did it for a trial basis of two years, but it didn't last nearly that long. What happened? What happened? According to this story, it proved very dangerous for children. A six-year-old was immediately struck by a car, um, and then that there were other accidents that this story describes, and it doesn't even get into the elderly, but I bet I could find some. In fact, just logically, it would impact them. And they said that the Nat National Safety Council said that pre-sunrise fatalities, I can't, you know, I speak better when I'm spontaneously talking and not trying to read things. I think you can figure that out. But this is an important topic, and this is a different type of broadcast today. Um, so fatalities were rising before sunrise, and it turns out that it actually wasn't saving energy as they thought, and apparently accidents fell um, later in the day, but um, the impacts in the morning were significant. And at the beginning, because we're so into short-term satisfaction, that's what this has to do with. This is about not wanting to endure what we're about to go through in the United States. Spring ahead is the most difficult because it feels like 
you know, if you're still, and I'm going to talk a little bit too about how can we modify our schedules more. What does this have to say about modern society? That will be the more spontaneous part of the show. Not to say this isn't spontaneous, but when I'm jumping between articles, it's more difficult for me. Um, so what happened? 79% of Americans approved going to permanent daylight savings time in 1973 when it happened. Within just three months, only 42% approved it because the unintended consequences were huge. I want to talk a little bit about the NPR article because they reflect on a few things. Um, Yes, they do say that it was Senate... Senator Marco Rubio of Florida is the one who's really been pushing this. And, yes, there's a lot of evidence that um, business-wise, especially in Florida, this would be a really popular thing. So this article on NPR is also talking about the negative impacts. And, yes, the people disliked even more going to work and school in the dark for months. See, longer-term impacts versus shorter-term satisfaction. I mean, how long does it really take to make the adjustment? Well, um, it turns out there's another article that I found. Let's see if it's in if it's in this one. Actually, it is in the NPR article where various professors are debating one another, and one basically says that the best answer is to do nothing. And that when we decided to start it in March and end it in November, that was the best compromise that we could come up with. And I believe that is true. When I wake up in the morning, let's shift out of all these articles, because, yes, it does. I prefer just to talk from my heart. I think those of you who listen to my show a long time, you know this. I just speak from my heart and jumping around articles and trying to remember um, which is – that the proper label, that that's not my natural place with the show. Let's get into my natural place. When I woke up this morning, I've been noticing. You have too, I'm sure. It's getting sunnier and sunnier in the morning. So I, I tend to notice that as to when I wake up because I no longer... On many days, thankfully, and maybe we need to think about this as to what has happened to us as humanity. What do you think before clocks was the most natural? What is our natural rhythm? Well, it's to wake up with the sun, of course. Now, yes, you may live in a very unusual place like Alaska where people have had to make adjustments. But our natural inclination is to wake up with the light. I wake up before the sun, the first sign of light. And the birds, you know, often as we get farther into the summer or towards summer, um, they'll wake me up. But our natural inclination is to align with our natural environment. Clocks have never been a part of the natural rhythm. 
Yes, they are a necessary part of our modern world. But if the ironic thing, and I figured this out the last time I faced this when um, it looked like it might happen at another time. In the 70s, I can't really remember what happened, but I can guarantee it impacted me as a child. Sure, maybe we played outside later, and I may have liked that, but I can guarantee my parents did not like me having to get to school. When I was able to walk independently to school, they would not have liked my walking to school in the darkness. I'm sure they would not have. Some years ago, someone said to me, I was sitting in a, I think, in a, a class or something, and they said, you know, the teacher said they no longer wore a watch. And in those days, oh, my gosh, I always wore a watch. I wore a watch for years. It was such a part of my wrist, it made an imprint. In fact, now there have been so many years where I have not worn a watch, I can't even see that imprint anymore. We are driven by clocks. Now we have a phone, right? We don't need watches anymore. We have the phone. What if we could structure our lives so that we, as much as possible in the modern world, made our schedule compatible with our best sleep schedule? That would mean changing throughout the year, gradually, gently, with the sun. That's what that would mean. And it's so much better for us. I used to have more issues with sleep and insomnia. And when I was able to modify my sleep schedule, and sure, there are days when I need to get up, and that's just the way it is in our world, and probably even in the old days with humanity, if they were doing something unusual in the morning, maybe they got up early some days. That's one thing. But if my normal schedule is more flexible so that I can allow myself to rest on my body schedule, not on somebody else's schedule, and on the sun's schedule can work very well. Although sometimes I must admit my natural inclination is to stay up a little bit later than I should for that, certainly at some times of year. But with that said, we are continually denying ourselves our natural rhythms. And it's a product of our modern world and how we're always racing, racing, racing to somebody else's clock. When we begin to change that, when we begin to see that we have more control, that we have choices, and maybe we even work, if we're working in the regular corporate world, Maybe we work for someone who also honors those choices with more flexible time. You know, face it, modern business of any kind, at any level, any work we do involves communicating across the world. So there's always going to be someone who's asleep. That's what I've found. And if we could have more flexibility as to when things start aligned 
with our natural human rhythms, aligned with our brain functioning, as that one study indicated. We need to wake with the sun. What would that mean for us? I want to get in one more thing before the live show goes down because there's been an alternative proposal that we stay on standard time. And why I get the two confused, I cannot tell you, but I think it's the nature of this topic overall. And I bet there are many of you who do the same thing. It's like, okay, what starts in March? What are we going off of? Uh Uh-huh. How many of us have written announcements of a time for an event? And we're going back, okay, are we on standard time? Are we on day? And it happens in Europe, too. If we went on standard time all the time, that would have other impacts. Although, arguably, I have seen online that many um, experts say that's actually better for us health-wise than staying on daylight savings time. It would certainly be better in the winter. It would be disappointing in the summer because, and probably crime would go up in the summer, and a lot of our most joyful activities would be impacted in the summer. And I know this firsthand, having worked for many years on a festival that was at night. In fact, the other thing um, that actually this would be impacted by daylight savings time being permanent is I used to be involved with a tree lighting ceremony, and that needed to take place at a particular time at dark. Well, it would have to be at a different time. It'd have to be later now, which would impact a lot of things in the winter. In the summer, a lot of things would need to be earlier. And yes, you know, arguably a lot of businesses across the country and many nonprofit events and lots of things would be impacted. And crime would be worse just because in the summer it tends to heat up. It's warmer, so more is going on. So if it gets dark earlier, okay, live show, I know you're you're leaving me. FrontierBeyondFear.com is the website. That wouldn't work either. You know what? I'm doing it live on the show just because I hadn't really thought this one through altogether. It would impact us adversely to stay on standard time permanently. I feel, and I am in agreement with this one expert that was quoted on one of these stories, because there's always an expert for everything, and some of them are working for lobbyists for businesses. Let's face it. That's just the way of things. Face it. Have you lived on this planet long enough to see the joys of sunshine later in the evening, in the summer? Have you gone to a concert and you just, you know, it's, have you been out with your children? Have you been on vacation? Yes, of course it's nice to have the sunshine in the summer, later in the day. I remember fond memories of playing as a child, you know, after dinner you could play. So that may seem a lighter part of it, and in a way it is, but if that darkness came earlier in the summer, okay, I can think of one positive. It would get cooler faster, um, but um, it would also get hotter quicker. So that it goes both ways if we stayed on standard time, that is. But yes, of course, darkness would fall earlier. That would have unintended consequences. What has happened in the last two years? Short term, it looked like 
You know, people were promoting for various reasons all kinds of things without looking at the long-term impacts. You know, I am so proud of myself for raising that early on because I was very concerned about how the elderly would be impacted by no visitors at all. When that was first being proposed, that was terrifying to me. And I raised that issue um, to to a friend, and I made that very clear, just posting in a comment where things were being debated and discussed. Of course, it had detrimental impacts. Many, many people died and were permanently disabled because they were unable to thrive in that environment. Many children were adversely impacted. We still don't know the impacts. Did we have the perfect answer ever? No. We were dealing with something, and I will say that fear was a significant part of the equation and rapid reaction and various um, entities pushing for various things. No matter what your position is on any of it, I would hope that we could all come to an agreement that being more mindful about decisions We did not have accurate information, but we couldn't see clearly yet. Such is the human experience. So in this case, we have time to be mindful. The Senate raced into this. They were probably lobbied, and they are not even looking back at the 1970s. They should never have approved this. They did not think about it in a mindful way. They allowed those from the South who had business interests to promote something that is going to have adverse impacts on the rest of the country. And you cannot make these decisions hastily. The House was wise not to take it on because you cannot make a hasty decision. And if they do, we could be back in the situation, if anyone can even agree, which is a problem, Um, of reversing it quite quickly. But those lobbying interests are strong, and they would certainly want that. There are so many times that the people are harmed because someone has an interest that is not in our best interest overall. I have lived all my life dealing with the time changes. I am nearing 60 years on this planet, so I know. I can't remember what 1974 was like in early January. I don't think I was as aware. I mean, I imagine I was an engaged child. I must have been aware of it. I don't have a memory of it specifically, but I would tend to believe my parents were driving me to school because they didn't want me to walk in the dark. School started somewhat later then than they do now, so maybe I could walk before the sun rose. Maybe it was bright enough. Maybe I left the house a little later. I don't know, but I can guarantee that it was icier. I can guarantee that the elderly who had an early appointment, which is very, very common among the elderly, were adversely impacted, and who knows how many were killed? Who knows how many of those who have disabilities, were adversely impacted by this. We have to stop making hasty decisions without the facts. 
that's the biggest thing. And yes, we've learned some big lessons about being driven by fear, which is the topic of this show, overreacting. But also, it's more than that. Being influenced by people who did not have our best interests in mind, even while claiming to do so. And that's going to be coming out more and more for those who are aware and are interested in truth. And it impacts every persuasion. This is not something that's just for one group or another. And it is my every hope, since all of us are wrong sometimes, all of us are misled sometimes, that we can see that clearly instead of being um, fundamentalists for untruths. Things change. Facts change. Information comes to light. We need to have the flexibility to have the courage to say, I didn't have full information then. Oh, my gosh. I wish I had. Then the question is, well, why didn't you? Did someone have it? We need to care about the truth and when it comes to light. If it happens, there are times where things are not known. But this is not an issue where we need to be arguing with one another. You either care about the truth or you don't. I mean, if you want to live in some fantasy paradise that has nothing to do with the truth and what that truth is, as this program has often discussed, is not generally what the materialists are going to say is the truth unless they too wake up. It matters. It matters to be respected. Listen to the last show about what it means to be respected. When someone feeds you something that is intentionally false and does so maliciously, intending to mislead, that is not a respectful way of dealing with you. All human beings deserve the respect to be dealt with honestly. And if someone has made a mistake... They need to admit it. If things come to light that unfortunately are, you know, dark, as have happened in other times in our history, that too needs to come to light and we need to move forward. We can move forward in a very productive and even forgiving way. I've talked about the example of Immaculate, Immaculate, I can't speak today, Immaculate, those articles, Ila Bejiza, and how she had to come to a state of really radical forgiveness in a very unusual situation in Rwanda. Sadly, it's not that unusual in human history, and we must never allow such things to repeat. We occupy this world together. And we need to find the bridges. I hope that this program, even if somewhat imperfectly delivered today, uh, being a human being myself, and honestly, I looked up some of this information, even though I knew about some of it, right very close to the show. I hope that it's opened your eyes and your own experience can reveal 
how this would impact you. Don't think about how it impacts you over a few days. How was how would it impact you over time? How would it change everything in some ways that you love and hold dear? You need to think about these things. Standard time permanently has more of an impact on those summer things. And that's worth thinking about. Not to mention the fact getting dark earlier. That's a big deal in the summer. That's a big deal. We cannot hastily act just because a few voices pull the wool over the eyes of too many people so that they think it's a good thing. As it said in that article, 79% of the people were in favor of this until they saw the unintended consequences, until they lived the unintended consequences. Are we not even listening to history? That can lead to very severe unintended consequences. How sad it is that we overreacted in a materialistic fashion to spirituality. How sad it is that love-based spirituality was suppressed or those things that were in alignment with who we are in communion with the earth and with the universe and with the omnipresent divine. How sad. Where are we going? We're here now. We can't undo what's happened. Lately, I'm starting to think more about what, how can we sustain a certain level in this more modern society in other ways, in ways that work? Why aren't we not exploring some really dramatic energy solutions and how many business interests are involved with the ones that we are exploring and how many of those things are going to totally desecrate the earth even more. We have to be honest with ourselves and one of these days we need to break free to the true creative spirit that is within each and every one of us. That's how spirituality will emerge because this is not strictly a materialistic reality. That is simply not the truth. And there is evidence. I'm going to end today's program. Kind of an unusual one today. Even so, I'm thankful to Blog Talk Radio for once again featuring this program while it was live, and I see that it was in the featured slot in live spirituality as well today, and I'm always thankful for that. I'm still looking at more syndicates, figuring out what path is best there, because I would like to expand a little bit, maybe a step at a time, but it's already on some And I'm getting a lot of listeners lately from Apple Podcasts, for example. And I know it's on Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio as well and some others. So um, I will continue to look at that. 
and I just want to thank you. Um, this is actually the 500th published episode of the Frontier Beyond Fear. I wasn't going to mention that because there are always some things that are not out there. So um, it's like it, it's, but technically that is a milestone. Um, I often don't talk about the listener milestones because those have changed so much. Um, we've the industry has reduced what is considered a listen. Um, and so a lot of people on any network, you know, they used to see bigger numbers. And even with the more conservative approach that is now used, technically in the past week, this program passed 255,000 listens. So that's another milestone. Um, Make sure I'm getting that right. When I talk, let's just make sure. I want to be, yes, yes, <laughs> I'm right. Um, it just passed the threshold over 255,000 total listens. And in the old days, by the old measures, that would have seemed actually relatively small. Um, but they're very strict now as to how long you listen. And this is industry standard. Um, and um, so if you're a podcaster, I'm sure you're aware of that if you've done it for a while. Even so, I'm grateful for those of you who are listening to the podcast and also to the live program. I should be here next week. There may be a week I just learned. I think in a couple weeks I may need to do the show at a different time or I'll just skip that week, but next week on the 18th, I should have a live program, and that once again is Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. So thank you, everyone, for being here. I hope that I've opened your mind to a few things, and I think I may be blogging about this topic soon, and you can look for that at FrontierBeyondFear.com. There is a blog link there. And I am intending to write a post that will have the actual links to some of these articles. I won't put them in the show page, but I will put them in the blog. So thanks again for being here today, and I hope to see you next time. <music>